You guys ready for the word? <laughs> if you have a Bible, you can turn to Psalm 63. I know Psalm, right? <laughs> So as I read the first five verses, or as we read the first five verses, I want you to notice how David goes from my soul thirst in verse one to my soul will be satisfied as with the riches of food in verse five. All right. Verse one, oh God, you are my God. Earnestly, I seek you. My soul thirsts for you, and my body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as, as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with the riches of foods, and with singing lips, my mouth will praise you. Amen? So I want to talk about how we can take this experience that David describes as a dry and thirsty land where there is no water, and we can turn it into a place of abundance. Okay? So first... Um, Let's, let's try to define this place that David describes, right? Sometimes it's called a desert. Sometimes it's called a wilderness. And there are many of these experiences in Scripture. Okay? So I want to talk about what these places are and what they aren't. Because they can often be misunderstood among believers. And the, these terms can be misused in the, in the body of Christ. Okay? Amen? You guys good? Okay, so there are some who use being in a wilderness season as an excuse to run away from responsibility and isolate themselves like Elijah did with Jezebel when he ended up in a wilderness season, okay? This wilderness is not from the Lord. It's a wilderness of our own choosing, okay? And while God will be with us in this wilderness because he never leaves us, he will soon ask us, just like he asked Elijah, what are you doing here? This is not where you belong. Okay? You guys okay so far? So there are also people who equate wilderness with punishment. Okay? Believing that God will lead us into places of isolation or constant struggle or lack because we deserve it, okay? Now, this mentality believes, even though they may not realize it, that there's a way that we can earn the forgiveness and the goodness of God by what we do, by our works, okay? Does that make sense? This wilderness is also not from God, okay? Now, there are others who... Use wilderness experiences in the Bible to justify an expectation of lack or constant struggle. Okay? Actually, in Scripture, it's quite the opposite. Wilderness experiences in Scripture are places of miraculous provision. Okay? Does that make sense? 
Now, on the other hand, there are some people who claim that we no longer have wilderness experiences as a believer. Okay? And this belief comes from a misunderstanding of the biblical definition of a wilderness like we've talked about. Or it comes from an incomplete teaching. Okay? Because many times what people will do when they've been taught a, a, um, an unbalanced truth like the wilderness is like using the wilderness to, to get us to expect lack or struggle when they experience this unbalanced teaching and then they receive a revelation of the goodness of God and that he is a provider, he's not a withholder, that we are sons and daughters of God that have an inheritance, we belong to a kingdom that doesn't produce lack, right? So they receive this revelation and then sometimes they can swing into an opposite unbalanced teaching. And while it's what they need to hear in the moment because they're, un, they're, they're overcoming the unbalanced thing that they've been taught, they can ignore the pieces of the original teaching that are still true. Right? So when we receive these moments of revelation um, of something we've been taught that's unbalanced, we should try to avoid the trap of denying or ignoring the pieces of that that are still true. Okay, because when what we're what we're teaching or we're presenting as a complete truth, because we're in a new place of knowing God, we're in a new place of revelation. When what we're teaching requires us to throw out a large portion of the Bible to justify our new narrative, then we are just as unbalanced in our teaching as the original thing that we were taught. Okay, you guys okay? You good? So we still have experiences as sons and daughters of God. How do I know this? I mean, there are a lot of ways, but most obviously, Jesus experienced the wilderness, right? Okay, he was baptized, and then a voice came from heaven, and it was his father saying, This is my son, whom I love. In him I am well pleased. And then Matthew and Mark and Luke all tell us that Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness. Okay? He wasn't there because he didn't know his identity. He wasn't there because he didn't know he had an inheritance. He wasn't there because he was being punished. He wasn't there because he was running away from something. He was there to show us the value of this experience. So what we have to know is what wilderness is are what wilderness experiences are we being led into by the Holy Spirit, and which ones are we are, are of our own choosing? Right? Because our wilderness experience as believers are meant to be places of abundance, places where we prosper, places where God provides for us and then prepares us and then promotes us. Okay? You guys okay? Okay, so let's go back to Psalm 63, because we saw David go from my soul thirst for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water, and he goes into my soul will be satisfied as with the riches of food. So what happened? Nothing changed about his circumstances. His wilderness became a place of abundance, right? 
Okay, so many times what people do is they take like David's words of praise between verse 1 and verse 5, and they create this like nice, little, neat, packaged piece of advice that goes something like this. If you're in a wilderness, just praise your way out of it. Anyone ever heard that? <laughs> okay, the pr- this is good advice. Okay, this is not bad advice. This is good advice. But a lot of times what happens is we don't, we don't know how to do that, Right? Or we praise until we're exhausted, and we still feel like we're in a dry place and nothing's changed. And by exhausted, that doesn't mean like we're exhausted of praising. It means we're exhausted because we're trying to climb our way out of a wilderness, right? Okay? So maybe, maybe the problem is that we're always trying to exit our wilderness so that we can step into a place of abundance. When instead, we should realize that our wilderness experiences are places of abundance. Okay? You guys okay? All right. (laughs) So let's try to define what a biblical wilderness experience is. All right? You guys ready? The biblical wilderness is not a place of lack. It's a place of provision and power. When the the Israelites were in the wilderness after they left Egypt, they experienced many miraculous provisions from the Lord, right? Okay? So when David describes his soul as thirsting, what we can do is in that is he says, my soul thirsts for, for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So at first glance, we focus on the fact that he's thirsty because there is a lack of water. And so it appears to us that there is lack. But that's not what David is saying. David is saying, my soul thirsts for God. And then he's making a comparison. That he's comparing a land where there is no water to how his soul feels by being physically separated from the physical house of worship. He says, this is how my soul feels. Okay, But David then stepped past that first glance, that first feeling of how he felt, that first um, appearance of lack, and then what he realized is, I don't need to be in that physical place to experience the Lord, to praise the Lord. I can experience him where I am. And so his soul became satisfied as with the riches of food. Okay? Are you guys okay? All right, are you with me so far? So our wilderness is not a place of lack. It's a place where God will remove us from some external things that we, um, re- that we are comfortable relying on to provide for us and to fill us so that we can see his abundance. Okay, do you want me to say that again? Our wildernesses are not a place of lack. It's a place where God will remove us from the external things that we are comfortable relying on to provide for us and to fill us so that we can see his abundance. Okay? Biblical hunger and thirst, when it says my soul thirsts, it's biblical hunger. It doesn't signify lack. It signifies desire. Okay? And so um, our wildernesses are places that purify our desires, okay? What is it that we desire, okay? 
Um, and so he will, um, he will get us to purify our desires until we can be fully filled from his table. Okay, so wildernesses are places where we learn what actual abundance really is. Where God separates us from the things we're comfortable with, the things we think are abundance, and he makes those things unavailable so that we can open our eyes and we can see what abundance really is. Okay, what he does is he separates for us counterfeit providers from his provision. Our wildernesses are places where God separates counterfeit providers from our provision. Okay? Because he wants to show us what abundance really is. David thought that he needed a physical place to behold the power and glory of God. But when he was removed from that place, he, he, he didn't experience lack. He experienced an increase in his ability, his understanding of God, and his knowledge of what was possible. Okay? Does that make sense? And he didn't have to then get the realization and then go back to the temple with the realization. He was satisfied right where he was. His wilderness became a place of abundance. All right, are you guys okay? <laughs> when we realize the fullness of the provision and the abundance of the Lord, what happens for us is that instead of relying on all these external things to fill us, we then become rivers of living water that water our deserts and the deserts of others. Okay? You guys okay? So Jesus says in John 7, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scriptures have said, streams of living water will flow from within him. By this, he meant the Spirit. So if we have the Spirit, we are never dry. We might be in a dry place externally, but we are never dry. Listen, don't let anybody tell you that you don't experience, you don't have experiences where it feels like you're in a dry place. <laughs> don't let them rob you of the miracle in the desert. Don't let them rob you of the miraculous provision of the Lord. Don't let them rob you of the belief that he has in you. Don't let them rob you of what you have overcome. You have overcome. We have overcome these things because we can prosper in any place. We don't need abundant places to prosper. We prosper in any place. Okay? Dry circumstances does not mean we walk around with the expectation of lack. It means I am not dry in dry places, and any place I step into becomes a place of abundance because I am a well of living water. Okay? Isn't that good news? That's good news. We're going to have dry places. It's the world we live in. But it doesn't mean that we should expect lack. It means that we become, the, we become partnered with God for miraculous provision in the desert. If there were no desert, we would need no miracles. Okay? Are you guys okay? So when we say that we thirst for him, it doesn't mean that we don't have all of him. 
Or it doesn't mean that he's withholding something from us. It means that he is who we desire. And that our desire is to be filled by him first. And then all these external sources of abundance out here become extra abundance. And then we become wells and springs of living water. Okay? Our wildernesses are not places of lack. They're places of power and provision. Okay? That's okay so far? <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. So the biblical wilderness, number two, the biblical wilderness is not a place of isolation. It's a place of communion and clarity. Um, some people use what they would call wilderness seasons, as we talked about, to isolate themselves when they want to escape something, right? Um, either they've been wounded and they need to get away and reset, or they're, they don't want to face something, and so they go into what they call a wilderness season, just like Elijah did with Jezebel. But biblical wilderness is, that's not, from, that's not a biblical wilderness, okay? A biblical wilderness is actually not a place of isolation. It's a place of communion and clarity, okay? So the Hebrew word for wilderness comes from the root word, which means to speak, okay? And a lot of words come from this root word, uh, uh, the spoken words of God, the commandments of the Lord, they all flow from this same root tree, okay? So when the Israelites were in the wilderness after they left Egypt, um, they received from the Lord the Torah or the law of God. And while we might consider the law to be something harsh, they, re they consider it to be their greatest gift. They call it the gift from the wilderness. Why? Because God is a God who speaks. Okay, the Israelites were surrounded by nations who worshipped idols that they could see. But God taught his people not to worship what they could see with their eyes, but the God who speaks, the God they could hear. God always emphasizes hearing over seeing. And the people of Israel were set apart as a people because they had a God who speaks. And that happened for them in a wilderness. Okay? Um, Hosea 2.14 says, God says this of Israel, I will lead her into the desert and speak tenderly to her. Okay? The biblical wilderness is a place of abundant revelation where we come close to his voice and we hear him speak more clearly. So just like God will remove like external sources of abundance so that we learn what his abundance is. He will also remove um, external voices from us, or he will turn down the noise of too many voices so that we can hear him more clearly, right? Because he is always speaking to us, but when we're in the desert, it's quiet enough that we can hear his whisper. It's a place of communion, okay? So in, in the absence of noise, we hear him more clearly, and what we hear changes what we see. That's how it works with God. What we hear changes what we see, okay? 
So actually, it's far from a place of isolation. It's a place of communion. It's a place where we come close. And the closer we get to him, the more we know him, the more clearly we hear him speak, the more we know we weren't made for isolation. We were made for family. Okay? So wilderness places are not places of isolation. They're places of communion and clarity. Okay? Number three. The biblical wilderness is not a place of punishment. It's a place of preparation and promotion. <laughs> preparation and promotion. Okay, many people believe that they're in a wilderness season because they haven't done something right or they haven't like yet quite figured out how to unlock the promises of God. And it's as if to them that God keeps his promises like buried treasure, where there's like a, a map and code that we have to decipher, and then we have to like search for all these elusive clues, and we have to go on this exhausting quest to just maybe possess the promises of God, right? And they believe and are taught that if we can just figure out the right combination of things to do, then we can unlock this door that's holding us captive in a wilderness. Okay? Um, but a biblical wilderness is not a prison be, where we're, we're there because we're not smart enough or we're not courageous enough or we're not good enough. It's a place of preparation for promotion. Okay? So when the people of, of Israel were in the wilderness, right, they were miraculously fed by manna, which fell from heaven, right? So this miracle had nothing to do with them, okay? It, it, came, it, it was just there every morning. It fell from heaven, not because they deserved it. It had nothing to do with them. It was grace. It was free. All they had to do was get up every morning and go out and receive the miraculous provision from God, Right? Right? But God needed them to know and to learn in the wilderness how powerful they were. Because when they went into Canaan, they were going to need to believe God for bigger things than manna. They were going to need to believe that the walls of Jericho would fall when they shouted. Right? Okay? Now, this was a miracle at Jericho. This was a miracle that didn't just fall from the sky. They participated in it, right? Okay, when, when the Israelites like moved from, the, from what we call the wilderness into the land of Canaan, they didn't go from lack to provision. They went from miraculous provision to bigger miraculous provision, right? Okay, so um, when they started, when they started with God in the wilderness, like God's miracles were big enough to part the Red Sea and to defeat the Egyptian army while they watched, right? And as like when this happened, they were loud with their praise. Until the very next moment, there was the appearance of lack. Then what did they want to do? They're like, oh, we got to go back to Egypt. We have to escape our wilderness. Okay? When our faith is in miracles... We won't last very long because if the next miracle doesn't come quickly, 
then we don't have any more faith. Okay? And that's what happened with the people of Israel. The next moment they were facing lack, they didn't know how powerful they were. They didn't know um, the partnership they had with God. And so they said, we want to escape our wilderness and we want to go back to Egypt. This is what happens every time we're trying to struggle to escape our wildernesses instead of realizing that it's a place of preparation. What we're doing actually is going back into slavery. And then God delivers us. We come back to the wilderness, and he does all these miraculous things, and we face something with lack, and we're like, oh, let's go back. Let's escape and go back to slavery. At least we had meals in Egypt. At least they fed us in Egypt. At least we didn't have to face this in Egypt. That's what happens. Okay? That's why the promises of God aren't based on his miracles and how big a miracle we see. It's based in relationship. He gave us a covenant. His miracles, our expectation of the miraculous, come from his covenant, which comes from his relationship, which means, yes, he'll bring miracles from the sky. But what he, the miracle he most wants to do is he wants to empower us to participate with him so that we can occupy, we can turn our, our, our wildernesses into places of abundance and occupy abundant ground. That's a mouthful. But come on, we got to stop trying to escape preparation. Preparation is meant to promote us because he has bigger things for us. He has bigger things than just to do these things that fall from the sky while we just watch. He's like, I want to do the miraculous through you. You have to learn that. You have to learn how powerful you are. Stop trying to escape let it turn you into to, to something that waters your desert, waters your dry ground, becomes abundant ground for someone else where we're not constantly walking around like what I need and what I need. Like we become the watering, the watering hole because of the spirit, not because of us, right? Because of the spirit. All right, you guys okay? Okay. <laughs> All right. So uh, the way out of the wilderness is not by a formula. It's not by working harder. It's not, by, it's not even by having more faith. It's to stop struggling to escape it and embrace the value of it. To, to see that, like to see abundance like he sees abundance. To, to hear his voice, to realize that we're a people who hear the voice of God. Nobody else gets to say that. No other gods speak. Sometimes I think that we've lost the wonder that we get to hear him speak. And then it's places of preparation where he wants to promote us. He rescued us for more than just to face something hard and then turn around and go back where we came from. We just stop trying to return somewhere. We're going forward. We're advancing. We're gaining ground. The kingdom of God is advancing. We're taking ground. We're moving forward. 
The time for going back to old pools is over. We are the pools because we have his spirit. Okay? You guys okay? All right, you guys can stand up. Um, I just, I just want us to have fun today, like in his presence, and to realize, like, like sometimes, sometimes things are hard, but there's so much joy when we have some perspective of what he's doing in the moment and how much more he has risen, how much more he believes in us than we know. And so um, I just want you today, like as we're leaving, like you're, you're free to go at any point, um, but I just, want, I just want us to take a, a moment and just celebrate and um, just, just get in like the celebration of the goodness of God and that like there's no lack in the kingdom. There's preparation, there's provision, and there's promotion. And just to be thankful that, that we, are a God, we are people who have a God who speaks and that not only does he speak, like he gave us his spirit, like we can prosper in any circumstance. All right? All right, folks, you can play that. You guys are free to go whenever you are ready.